greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Welcome to Winds of Change. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Keith McKenzie. This is session three in our study on kingdom parables. And um, let's go ahead and get right into this. Trying to keep these sessions uh, brief and informative. Let's go ahead and take this uh, before the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I just give you thanks and praise. I thank you for today. I thank you for our, uh, your word. <laughs> which gives us understanding, which is a lamp unto our feet. Um, Lord, I pray, Father, for discernment. I pray, Father, for those who are listening, Lord, that you would bless and encourage us as we uh, earnestly look forward to your uh, soon coming. I pray, Father, that you would help us to earnestly contend for the truth. And in that spirit, Lord, we just um, ask you to bless this time, bless this study, Give us both eyes and ears to both see and hear what your Holy Spirit has to say to us through your word. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 13, the parables. Now, we've spent some time um, building a, a foundation, which is uh, customary um, the way I teach when we have the time. So I figure if we're going to teach, let's just go ahead and... Uh, you know, do the groundwork and, and get everything uh, squared away. Uh, I want to give you a little uh, taste of what's coming down the road with the next uh, few sessions, uh, an overview of uh, where we're going. Um, Matthew chapter 13, as we talked about last time, was the, we got into the purpose of the parables. And Matthew chapter 13 starts off with the parable of the sower. Now, the parable of the sower, the Lord explains. He gives us the purpose of the parables, and then he gives us, like, an answer key. And so what you're going to see through this study is we're going to be looking at uh, what Jesus gave us as the kingdom parables. And in a lot of the research and the studying that uh, I've been doing myself, and uh, Pastor Mike, um, we both came up with the the um, same. The, we both felt like we were discerning that uh, some of the um, issues that are out there right now are a misunderstanding of eschatology, which is the study of uh, last things, in this ecumenical spirit. Uh, where people are willing to work together and the underlying issue there seems to be that they are willing to become unequally yoked with unbelievers for their uh, either national um, interests or political interests and the, the gospel is put on the back burner and I'm not saying that for everybody, but it seems to be that the people who have are predisposed to a dominion type of theology and kingdom now 
that they are susceptible to this because their eschatology is, which is, uh, eschatology is the study of last things. So if we don't uh, study that or we have a um, skewed position on that and we're not even reading it, somebody like a, a Rick Warren who said in his book, The Purpose Living Life, uh, he said that uh, there was really no need to be studying prophecy. There's, you know, that that becomes divisive and, you know, and, and this is true to a certain extent where we look at and we see some people, and I've even run into it in my own ministry where uh, people are, they don't want to bring up the rapture because we have a, you know, we have the pre-tribulation rapture, the mid and the post, uh, and, and people get all excited about that. And uh, I don't think that that's, uh, uh, that brothers and sisters in the Lord can disagree on these things, as certainly we do. I know people who are post and mid, and um, we, we get along okay. We might disagree about that, but we fellowship and, uh, you know, do these things together. But what I'm talking about here is I hope that this study here with the parables, the kingdom parables, will demolish the uh, idea, the erroneous idea, as it should become abundantly clear as we move forward in this study, that um, kingdom now and getting the, the earth prepared is the dominion crowd would have many to believe and to buy into that for whatever their reasons are. I'm hoping that if you're in that camp that you would um, just go through here and see how we apply this uh, hermeneutic um, to our uh, sessions here, that you're going to see that we're going to use the Bible as its own interpretive, um, you know, it's its own best interpreter. So as we go through this, we're going to pray and ask that we would all be given both eyes and ears to both see and hear what the Spirit has to say. Because quite frankly, as we go through these seven parables, we're going to see that this really doesn't paint that picture as we've mentioned in the last few uh, sessions about, um, you know, the church triumphant. It's, it's just not there. So let's go ahead and... Um, you know, we've gotten to the point where we see that Jesus is now beginning to speak and teach in parables. Now, parables, as we talked about a little bit last time, are, you know, they are stories, okay? They're teaching kingdom truths, okay, that have uh, a heavenly meaning with earthly truths. So let's go ahead and get this study going. And uh, so Jesus began to teach in parables, as you remember, because the, uh, the local religious elite of that day had uh, accused Jesus of uh, doing his miracles by the power and the spirit of Satan, the prince of demons, Beelzebub. And uh, so Jesus had to remind them of the unpardonable sin. We also made a distinction of the classes of people, that the 
John the Baptist was the greatest born of women, so that would be up until the Law and the Prophets, the Old Testament. Jesus said there was none greater, okay, back in Matthew chapter 12. Then he drops this bombshell, but, and then he says, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven shall be greater than he. And then we talked about the purpose of the parables. Parables are a dual function, where the Lord Jesus said, that they would be given, okay, in verse 11, he says, because it has been given to you, that would be those who are his disciples, and as Christians were to make disciples, and it says, it has been, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries, and the word mysteries right there is mysterion in the Greek, and it means something that is concealed or hidden, and so see how this reads out. It says, It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So the ones it hasn't been given to was the children of, you know, unbelief, really. If you want to go all the way back to Cain and Abel, if we look at Cain and Abel, we have uh, prototypes of the believer who was Abel and the prototype of the unbeliever who was yet still religious, but decided to come his own way, the way of Cain. And uh, so it has not been given to them. So parables both conceal truth and reveal truth, but it depends in which class you are in. So let's go ahead and start off with Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. And Jesus begins to teach in parables. And it says here in verse 1, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now the idea there is uh, if you've ever camped out by a lake, uh, sound travels really well across uh, water. It's like a natural amphitheater. And Jesus being creator of the universe, he knew this, and so this is how he was able to do it without speakers and these type of things. You gotta, you gotta love it. it. Says then he spoke, verse three, many things to them in parables, saying, "Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth." And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But the others fell on good ground and yield a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that's a very... Uh, familiar uh, saying that, that Jesus uses this also, okay, this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so we have in, um, you know, he who has ears to hear, if we remember um, when we're reading Romans, um, it says in Romans 10, 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Jesus is saying to us that those who have faith, okay, are the ones who are going to understand these parables. And those who do not have faith 
will not understand these parables. And Jesus taught roughly a third of his teachings were in parables. And he began to teach in parables after that incident where he began to conceal truth, okay? As we're going to read here in verse 10, we're going to just touch on this again. And his disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, that would be the unbelievers, the religious elite, it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. That's more faith. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And this can apply to faith, knowledge, understanding. You know, Jesus is pronouncing judicial blindness, as we talked about last time, on the religious elite. Verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is filled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. And they should not see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So the whole purpose here that Jesus is saying, the purpose of teaching this in parables is so that they're not going to hear, they're not going to see on the unbelieving side because they don't have faith. Faith plays in a tremendous role. Now, remember how we said there in Romans ten seventeen, it says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And um, so Jesus explains that purpose to them. All right? And so we have this hidden meaning for those religious, uh, self-professing, pious uh, hypocrites <laughs> that the Lord called out, uh, it seemed like, every time they got together. And so what we want to do is now Jesus is going to give us like an answer key as we go through, uh, you know, he begins to expound and answer the uh, disciples answer of why he's teaching in parables. So he begins to give us the answers. All right. Verse 16, he says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So now Jesus goes ahead and he starts to explain this in uh, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. So he's speaking to the household of faith here. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation, that means trouble, or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. 
Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, but he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed hears and bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So Jesus goes ahead and he gives us an answer key here. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and, and take a peek at um, and break this down a little bit. And basically the Lord's talking about here. There's nothing wrong with the word, okay? Because the word is is God's seed okay God's word is perfect okay and what we have here is the Lord is talking about conditions of the heart so in verse 19 he talks about the wayside okay when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it all right that's the parable of the sower right the wicked one comes and snatches away because this person's heart is hard, all right? The seed is laying on the top, and the birds, okay, for, for whatever reason, this person has a hard heart, okay? The soil of his heart is not receiving the word of the God, so he's not um, understanding it, okay? And so the wicked one comes and snatches it away, and the wicked one here, okay, remember he's uh, likened as a bird, okay? The birds come and take it away. This is going to be important because Jesus is giving us like an answer key as we go forward with the other six parables, okay? So this first person has a hard heart. The seed does not go down. His heart is not prepared in some of the Old Testament prophets, I believe it was Jeremiah, talks about break up the fallow ground of your heart, you know, and that God's word is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So, you know, but here, the gospel message, the word of God, sits on that person's heart, and because they don't understand it and they don't receive it, then that word is taken away by Satan, okay? Verse 20, we're looking at the heart condition of stony places. This is somebody who is shallow, okay? This person, uh, when tribulation or trouble or persecution, uh, they fall away because they don't have any root, the Lord says here. And that root, okay, is the idea that you want to uh, start to grow in the Lord. But he's saying because you have... You, you have a shallow uh, disposition that he says that this, you know, will spring up, okay, as he who, he, verse 20 says, but he who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself and endures only for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And a lot of times, this is because people, pastors, and leadership, um, we don't do a good enough job about telling people 
about the spiritual warfare component that they're about to enter into. And um, so when they suffer persecution or they get in trouble or for whatever reason this person just isn't growing in the, in the word, that they, they just, they're not counting the cost. They're, they're not a true convert. And when things get tough, they, they fall away. And it's, uh, that's sad. So this person is a shallow person. And then we have verse uh, 22. We have the one, the person with a type of heart that receives it among the thorns. So we have now, verse 22, now he who receives seed, okay, that's the word of God, among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So this is somebody who's got half his foot in the world, half of his foot in the church. And, you know, he might be into the prosperity message. He might be looking for a blessing. This person might be, um, you know, just trying to add uh, God is uh, fire insurance or, you know, for whatever reason, but he's more concerned about making it in the world. And so the deceitfulness of gain in this world, he forfeits in the next world. And so he is, becomes unfruitful. And ultimately that, that this person, it says it is choked. Okay, the, the, you know, there's just no place for it because the weeds of life just overrun him. Now, this is maybe the type of person who would be um, listening to Joel Olstein, who believes he can have his best life now. You know, the, the cares of this world to try and, um, you know, get himself into the prosperity gospel. And uh, the, the sad reality of uh, having your best life now is if that's true, to an extent it is, um, then there's nothing to look forward to in heaven. You know, the, the Bible teaches us to lay up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. And uh, while it's very popular, um, prosperity preaching and uh, hyper faith, this is about you know, laying up treasures for yourself here. And there's some Old Testament, uh, I mean, sorry, uh, the Lord talks about this man who, who tears down his old barn, builds a big barn because he's, he's prospering so much that he wants to hoard all this up for himself. He's having his best life now. And then the Lord says, you fool, your soul will be required this day. So we're being admonished here to, you know, lay up treasures in heaven. The, the chasing the world dream here and the deceitfulness of riches choke God's word because you're not getting a full counsel. You're only hearing part of the truth. And like Paul said, uh, to the Galatians, he says, do you now hate me because I tell you the truth? Because when we teach the full counsel of God, sometimes that is unpalatable amongst many people. Now, moving along, we have in verse 23, 
But he who receives seed on the good ground, this is a good heart, around it is he, and this, this is a heart I would call a humble heart, one that's ready to receive the word of God, okay? It's been broken up. It's, it's, it's um, you know, the Lord talks, uh, the, the Bible speaks of, um, you know, God can't resist a broken and contrite heart. And how we talk about breaking up the fallow ground of your heart. Here in verse uh, 23, we see a heart, okay? The condition of this heart is ready to receive the word, okay? Verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. This person has both eyes and ears to both see and hear what, you know, God's Holy Spirit, his word is saying. It is indeed hears and bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60 and some 30 so this person becomes fruitful because they are not only hearing the word of god they understand the word of god and like james says he says don't be just you know hearers of the word of god be doers of the word of god and that's part of the reason why we, we teach the way we do, because we, we go through it verse by verse, so we don't have to um, look at these things. And so we're going to close this out by flipping over to James uh, chapter 2, and we'll close out this session here on this first parable of the sower. And we're going to see how James because we're talking about faith in Romans, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that we want to see that it's not just a, a faith that um, is, you know, just faith by itself, uh, as, as uh, James talks about here. He's going to tell us in verse uh, chapter 2, Verse 14, we're going to start. All right, so, so, faith without works is dead. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, okay? So this person's professing faith and have not works. Can faith save him? This is a rhetorical question. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Obviously nothing, right? Especially if you have the means to do this. Verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. We have this dynamic going on in the church today. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even demons believe and tremble. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? And do you see that faith was working together with his works. See how he clarifies that here? Because it sounds like works is how he got saved. 
when we have other illumination in the Bible that it's because of what he was doing by his faith that, uh, you know, it talks about in Genesis 15 that, you know, it was accounted to Abraham as righteousness because he believed God and he acted on it. That was the working part. He was acting out his faith. And by works, okay, verse 22, do you not see that faith was working together with his works? And work, and by works, faith was made perfect. And that's awesome. And you know how he says that. And a lot of people confuse this, but we don't have time to really uh, expound on this right here. But you'll see as we continue the other parables here how we have a difference in the uh, types of believers. And verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers who were sent there and she sent them another way for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also that's a pretty strong condemnation there that uh, faith without works is dead it's not because we have many other scriptures right here some people think that faith you know that that James okay is saying that it is by works we are saved and we have you know, that serious conflict back in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel, which is basically works versus grace. Faith, okay, to give you a little clarification here, faith here is something that when somebody is truly saved and they begin to produce that fruit, that fruit is the works, the good works that they're going to do out of that grateful heart that, that knows and has received uh, God's grace is because the, the Bible says we are saved by grace, not by works, lest any man boast, but because we are saved and we are grateful and out of a heart that is joyful and thankful, we easily want to do good things for the Lord. And so uh, James here is contrasting. You say you have faith, but you're, you're sitting on your, your duff. And so that's how we want to end it today. We want to thank you for this session 14. We'll, we'll get into the next uh, parable and we'll open up that answer key a little bit more and we'll be talking about the, uh, the wheat and the tares parable. So until next time, may God richly bless you as you continue to learn more and more about the Lord Jesus. God bless.